Hello and welcome to episode 11 of Have You Seen? Uh, I Can Talk This Week, which is a nice change. Uh, my name's Tom Webb and that over there is Kieran LaFour. Who's quite disappointed that Tom can talk this week. <laughs> um, I don't get the husky, sexy voice again. <laughs> He's back to normal. It's really boring. It, was, it wasn't that husky and sexy. It was just a bit mm. gravelly and squeaky. <laughs> it's a bit Dido-esque. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, kind of a combination between Dido and Louis Armstrong. <laughs> Boggles my mind. <laughs> Um, should we kick off straight away? Get yes, straight into let's things. do it. Uh, Rear Window? Okay, dokie. Give okay. us a, a brief uh, recap on what Rear Window is all about. Okay, Rear Window is a average Hitchcock movie starring James Stewart and Grace Kelly. Um, James Stewart plays a photographer who his job entails going around the world and taking photogra- you know, photographs from sporting events and... You know, world news. So he's kind he's of kind a, of he's quite an action for yeah, ma- yeah, man yeah. of action. Yeah, um, and he's cooped up in his flat because he's broken his leg. Um, and while away the time, he just looks out of the window and he starts to notice some strange things going on with his neighbours. And that's pretty much the basic plot of the film. Yes. So, what did you think of your first Hitchcock movie? This film takes its time in setting up its characters at the start. Mm-hmm. And I've got to say, for about the first 25 minutes, mm. I really wasn't paying that much attention. Right. I couldn't, it didn't click with me. Okay. And then about 25 minutes in, yeah. which I think is just before he hears what he thinks is his neighbour killing his yeah. wife. Yeah. His neighbour's wife, yeah. not Stuart's wife. We went over this last week. Yeah, let's call, it this, call him the salesman and the salesman's wife. Okay, fine. So ma- before he hears, just, okay, shortly before he hears the salesman kill, kill the salesman's wife. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I suddenly switched on and started watching. Right. I definitely think this gets better as it goes Absolutely, on. Absolutely, yeah. Um because by the end of it I was completely gripped. Excellent. Um yeah, this is justifiably a classic and a masterpiece. Perfect. Okay. I'm glad you liked it. Like I said, I was very worried about pitching you the right Hitchcock movie to get you hooked into him as a director. Yeah. Um and I was hoping that this one would work. So it's definitely worked. Yeah, there was there wasn't very much I didn't like about it. That's really good. Uh, mostly, what I didn't like about it were two or three awful special effects shots. Right. That the the helicopter. Yeah. Landing near the beginning. Yeah. Which isn't quite working. No, no, the perspective's um, a bit off, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, um, spoiler alert: towards the end, where James Stewart falls out the window. Yes. Yeah. 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 Why not just get a stuntman and shoot it from a distance? It's not remotely convincing the way they've done it. No, I know. I'm not quite sure why they did those things the way they did them. Um, I think what this, I think this this film really kind of taps into Hitchcock's voyeuristic nature. He, I he, think, yeah, he strikes me as a creepy, sweaty little man. Yeah, yeah, he kind of was to to a degree. He's got a fascination. I, and he likes. He has a reputation. He had a reputation for like, liking to torture his actresses in particular. Yeah, put yeah. them through absolute hell on yeah. set and off. Yeah, yeah. He's he's one of those people that's got a very 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 dark sense of humour. Yes, quite uh, the warped mind. Yeah, yeah. He w- he was a massive practical joker as well. Mm. I mean, he would go a long way to play a practical joke on people. Mm. Um, but let's see if we can talk some specifics about the movie. Sure. Uh, let me let me wrap up what I didn't like. Yeah, and then that's it's all probably a good idea. From there yeah. on. Um, I, I didn't like the, the weird speeded up shots towards the end for no reason. Yes, yeah. I think that was just um, to get things moving a bit quicker. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, He should have done a take where he went, run! Yeah, yeah. Um, and 
as beautiful as Grace Kelly is, her voice really annoys me. Really? Yeah. Okay, interesting. Um, beyond that, though, it's all good. I really liked uh, Thelma Ritter's yes. nurse. She's brilliant, She's she? really good, yeah. Yes. And not in a uh, men's part in a skirt way. No, not at all. She's. I think she's quite often Hitchcock's voice in a way. Yeah. With She carries that sense of humour with her. She's yes, got, she she's gets, got very, uh, she gets get, a lot of the best lines. Yeah. Um, I liked how the women, despite themselves and despite being reticent at the start, slowly get drawn into his world and yeah. the situation. Yes. They don't, they don't want to believe him. They don't believe him. Grace Kelly's quite annoyed that he's not really paying her the yeah. due attention. And, Absolutely. you know, the, for the most part of the film, she's contemplating splitting up with him. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, it's, it also is, I mean, that rela- that kind of splitting up thing kind of works both ways because he's kind of like, well, you'll never, you know, look at you, you're this gorgeous model. You're not going to come sweating it about in Africa yeah. and you're not going to come to South America in a Jeep. You're not going to go to a motor race and stand no. by the track. No, no, you want to be the socialite drinking the yeah, champagne exactly. and meeting, the, meeting yeah. the people. Yeah. Yeah. And he wants to be out there in the midst of it. And I think the finale of the film is her proving to him that she can yes. and does enjoy yeah, and yeah. Will want to do what he does and she's not the you know just the yeah, the model that, that he thinks she is that whole break-in <coughs> scene of yeah. her breaking into the salesman's apartment yeah I meant to write Grace Kelly I have written Jean Kelly which <laughs> right. would put a very different spin <laughs> on the film possibly yeah. a literal spin yeah um that's brilliant. That's it is, fantastic. It's so tense, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I think because you're watching everything from afar as well. Yeah. Uh, and there are bit, there are obviously, because you're seeing everything through the windows, there are portions of those rooms you can't see, and you can't see what's happening in various places. And I think that really... The particular shot I really liked is when the salesman is coming back, mm. and there's a wide shot out of the window, and you can see her... Now, yeah, she is aware he's coming back. He's opened the door and he's coming into the flat. Yeah. But you can't see him open the door and coming in the flat. You see his reflection in an open yes. window yeah, yeah. Uh, in the centre of the screen Yeah. while she's trying to hide uh, the evidence of her being Absolutely, in the place yeah. and trying to hide herself. Yeah, yeah. And I only, <laughs> it was one of the things I only noticed that like fairly recently on watching it was that, that shot and the way it was set up. So you saw the reflection. <coughs> No, Dest, well, you've just left. coughed, and I've just gulped straight into the, the <laughs> microphones. Perfect, excellent. We're on, uh, we're on form. Um, mm. Another detail I also liked is how, over the course of the film, mm. Jeff's apartment. Jeff is the character played yeah. by. His James name Stewart. isn't actually Jeff. His surname is Jeffries, isn't yeah, it? And right, everyone yeah. just calls him Jeff. Jeff yeah. So that's that's James Stewart's character. I like how, over the course of the film, the light in Jeff's apartment progressively disappears yeah at the start it's all quite bright yeah but by the time you get to the end of the film that's in it's it's in darkness yeah. and he's trying to hide himself in the shadows when the salesman comes to get absolutely, him absolutely yeah one of my favourite shots is um there's a moment where all of the neighbours are in the yard hmm. apart from the salesman mm-hmm. and James Stewart is looking and all you see is there's a shot of the window of the salesman's apartment, and all you see, and it's tiny, is the flare of the end of his cigarette. Yes, as they he, do that. As they, they do that a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. and it just—it's one of those things. It's, he's just sitting, waiting, doing his own thing, mm. and you just see that thing flare up, and 
Is that where that's... everybody's coming out to see what's happened to the dog? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's just one of those moments where it's, it it makes his character incredibly chilling. Yeah, I think. <laughs> Little note here: there appear to be at least two instances of people stumbling over their lines and carrying on regardless, and it just being left in. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think yeah. Stuart does it early on, and Grace Kelly does it as well. Yeah. She stumbles over a word and then just kind of just carries on with it. Yeah, yeah. for for the hell of it. Um, <laughs> oh, he hasn't quite shifted all that. No, not no. quite. Um, the song that the oh, we'll, we'll talk music in general. I like how, apart from the bit of score at the beginning, it's all diegetic music. Absolutely, everything yeah. is scored yeah. by something being played within the scene. Yeah, yeah, um, and. But the song that the songwriter, played by Ross Bagdasarian, creator of Alvin and the Chipmunks, yeah. is trying to compose, mm. sounds for all the world like he's trying to work out how to play something stupid. The song, right. something yeah, yeah, stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what I'd start humming, and then he'd change the tune <laughs> halfway through. Um, I have a couple of questions. Okay. Am I right in thinking, and this only occurred to me afterwards, mm. that the camera doesn't leave Jeffrey's flat until he does through the window there uh, the the only time the camera leaves that flat is during the sequence where they're looking for the dog and there's but it's shot. not outside is it, it? Is, it's yeah. still shot no. from the perspective of his no, window no it's not there's there's one that's shot from the court perspective of the courtyard and it's not shot at his window it's it's shot. It's got the dog owner leaning over the balcony, yeah. hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So and and it's it's the only so shot it's from the perspective of a dead dog. Kind of. Yeah. It's the only it's the only thing that I think that's the only time other than the very ending. Yeah. When he does leave the flat. And my other question. Yeah. Um. There's the bit where Jeff's asleep, and mm-hmm. you see the salesman leaving with a woman in a black hat. Yes. From his apartment. Yeah. Who is she? Because there's some conjecture that. That's the wife, and the, yeah. the, his friend, the detective, thinks that's the wife, and she's been taken away. Yeah, she's she's got she's gone away, and he's sending her her clothes and all the rest yeah. of it. Yeah, um, but it's never resolved as to who that woman actually is. No, I think the the the, the possibilities are, are, are these: is that it's um, it's someone who he is a stooge who is supposed to look like his wife to yeah. set up his alibi. Or it is his wife, and you just don't see them return. Because I always got so they the go in- out and come back, and you just, and you don't, just don't see, see them, them come back. back. Yeah, because I do, and it certainly gives the impression that he offs her in the flat. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Spoilerific, right here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, again, it was made in 1954. Or six. Yeah, yeah. How, how much can you? Yeah, yeah. Spoiler movie older than your mother. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't really have any any more notes. Oh, other than I, found, I spotted the Hitch cameo. Yes. Winding the clock in, yeah, uh, in yeah, Bagdasarian's yeah. apartment. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's a f- uh, fond one for his cameos. I was watching from the very first frame really? for him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I had my eyes open looking looking for where Hitchcock was going to turn yeah. up. And I thought I'd spotted him in a couple of other places. Yeah. And then yeah, there's that shot and he turns to face the camera. It's like, okay, well, that was it. That's <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, overall, I really enjoyed this. I really right. liked it a lot. Right. Um, Good. I shall start racking my brains as to which Hitchcock movie. Please I'll do. Uh, I've got a bunch on my TV recording right. widget okay. at home. Fair um, enough. 
none of which I've got around to see. Yeah. I've got a copy of North by Northwest I bought on DVD at least 10 years ago and have never right. watched. That's one of my favourites, actually, North by Northwest. Well, uh, whenever you feel you can make okay. a case, yeah, no, write I can, it down I can, and bring I it in. I always can make a case for North by Northwest. It's a good movie. Um, I don't know if it, we'll cover much more about Hitchcock himself. I guess... You know, he is regarded as an auteur and one of the greatest film directors ever. Yeah. Um, and there was one thing I was going to mention is that something that really... I mean, I've always loved most of his movies. There's a few that are a bit... Nah, I'm not so sure about. Mm. But, there, are, I mean, there are some fantastic ones. And like you were saying of Alfonso Cuaron, they're very assuredly directed. Yeah. I mean, it's so it's done with such confidence. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, there's the the story about Psycho in that he was commissioned to make a 90 minute movie, and effectively the the rushes amounted to 90 minutes. There were a couple of alternate takes, but you couldn't have made a film of any other length yeah. from the footage that was shot. Um, so he's he's very precise, and he did a series of interview. He was interviewed over a, a series of days by Francois Truffaut. And there's actually a book which is a transcribe of those interviews. Mm -hmm. But you can also get the audio recordings of those interviews. Ooh. Um, and I've listened to them all. They're all about, I think there's 25 of them in total, and they're 25 minutes apiece. Mm -hmm. um, I'll see if we can grab a link to them, which I might have somewhere. You think um, that they're freely available? They are freely available. Oh, okay, um, excellent. We'll definitely link to those. Yeah, then. if I can find the link, I'm pretty sure I've got it somewhere. I should um, probably download them. Yes, mm. uh, because it is fascinating listening to him talk. Uh, and particularly being interviewed by a filmmaker himself, who, mm -hmm. I mean, it was no secret that Truffaut idolised Hitchcock as the greatest ever. Um, but what you really get from them it, are the moments when Truffaut will say, Oh, in this movie, why did you do that? That seems a bit odd. And Hitchcock will just immediately say, I did that because I wanted the audience to feel this. And the reason they felt this when I did that was because of this. And it is so hmm. straight, and you just go, Yeah. I, I completely get it now. And you don't know to the depths at which he's manipulating you. Mm. And that's what I found really interesting about his stuff. He's one of those people who could do no other job. No, I don't think Alfred he, no. Hitchcock, if he wasn't no. making films, I have no idea what he could have no. possibly done. No, he I was can't. just made for the medium and made yeah, for that yeah, I industry. Think, I think he trained as a... I can't remember what... I'm probably going to get all my facts wrong now. I know he, he, did, he designed titles, which was one of his first jobs going into the movie industry mm -hmm. but before that I think he, was, he, he his father pushed him towards like engineering mm -hmm. or something like that because I could just see him as a frustrated milkman yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. if the movie didn't exist yeah. he'd just be just like an angry postman or yeah. something no he, he, he had an incredible brain and he had an incredible uh, I think he had an incredible insight into into people and and how to get a reaction from people. Mm -hmm. I think that that's what really elevates him as a director. He's, he he knows how to get a reaction, and that works twofold. He knows how to get a reaction out of an actor to draw out a performance, but he also knows how to get a reaction out of an audience by manipulating by the manipulating actor to give the actor, him the performance. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's it's. I mean, people can go on for hours about him, and there are hundreds of books and mm. stuff. And yeah, I think I, I honestly he's one of my favourite directors of all time. So. Oh, I look forward to covering more. Yeah, we definitely will. Definitely um, will. 
I have some customer feedback. Oh, uh, a segment that disappeared last week. Yeah, yeah uh, but returns with a vengeance. Yeah. Uh, uh, this for people who don't know or haven't been paying attention or skip over this bit is uh, I go onto various DVD retail websites and find reviews, either usually either one star or five star reviews mm. of the people of the people of the films we're talking about, yeah. and uh, uh, basically just read out the funniest on it. Yeah, um, um, rear window. It was very hard <coughs> to find any negative reviews. Yeah. The lowest review on Amazon is three stars. Wow, okay. Um, uh, and everybody, most people who wrote about it mm-hmm. did so in an intelligent fashion, and right. that's no fun for this show. <laughs> no, it's not. Um, I did find a couple that tickled me, though. Right. This is Alfred Hitchcock's best picture. It's one of the best films ever made altogether. Any film buff will want to own this precious title, and any Hitchcock fan should be shot if he, she doesn't own it on DVD. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, we had to study this film for our GCSEs, and I must admit, being told we were studying this sounded really boring. But in actually fact, the film is perfect. Modern films always shove the tension down your throat with music, facial expression, bad acting, etc. But Hitchcock manages to create the tension without use of music. After watching it at school, I just had to buy it. Uh, Hitchcock definitely deserves five stars. Great film. Perfect. Uh, oh, and this one line I just found in a uh, in another review that just cracked me up. Okay, reality check. Peeping on your neighbours is not just creepy, it's also completely illegal. <laughs> um, and as a bit of a twist on uh, this week's customer feedback, right. um, I also went on to YouTube right. and found some comments. I just clicked on the first trailer I could find <laughs> yeah. for each film right. and just found some of the comments. Oh, okay. uh, and the one I have for Rear Window. Rear Window was effectively remade as Disturbia a few years ago. It was. It was with, actually remade as Rear Window with um, Christopher Reeve. Yes, it was. But very uh, badly. Uh, was that a TV version? Though? I'm not sure if it was. Because that was after Reeve TV. had his accident, wasn't it? I'm not sure. I think it was. Oh, really? I yeah. thought it was in the 70s that it was done. Because Hitchcock, Hitchcock was very canny, and there were certain films that he made sure he bought the rights to. This is one of the missing Hitchcocks it in is, the yeah. fires. That so, so it basically didn't get seen for 15, 20 years. It wasn't until he died in 1980 that people yeah. could finally you know, get the leases and the licensing, right? And they re-showed it. Yeah. I know this one was uh, somewhat illegally shown on US TV yes. in the 70s. Yeah, yeah Just once. Yeah. Before yeah. somebody, I imagine, got their wrist slapped and I their pink slip. Yeah. But, yeah, the, uh, um, the, the one line I found that made me laugh was... Uh, uh, it was regarding the, it being re, the Disturbia version. Yeah. It was, what kind of idiot would think this movie copied something that came out four years ago? Quick, find those people and put corks on all their forks before they put someone's eye out. <laughs> Brilliant. So, shall we go from James Stewart trapped in his, uh, in his apartment mm-hmm. to Ryan Reynolds trapped in a box? Okay. Um, last week I pitched Tom Buried. Mm-hmm. Um, which is exactly what it says. It's Ryan Reynolds stuck in a box for 90 minutes. Yeah. Uh, and things develop from there. Now, I was really intrigued to see this film because, firstly, it's how, how do you shoot inside a coffin and keep it interesting for 90 minutes? Yeah. Um, the cin- cinematography in this film is absolutely brilliant and really, really cleverly done. There's loads of interesting angles and takes on how to how to use this confined space 
Did you um, watch the little mini doc that's on the Blu-ray I didn't, as well? Because for for the generic games console, which doubles as my Blu-ray player, I decided not to work with my television. That's why they suck, and you should buy the other brand. Yes, exactly. Uh, so thankfully, I went downstairs to my other branded games console and watched it on one of my streaming services yeah. that I have an app for. Marvelous. Um, yeah. <clears throat> You're not going to like this, but this film annoyed me in the same way that Children of Men did. Okay. Again, another great concept for a film that was let down by one really, really simple thing. Mm. I really didn't care about Ryan Reynolds. Is it because it's Ryan Reynolds? No. Would it work better as a different actor? No, he was really good. Mm. What I thought was really... like I didn't like... I'm just going to open my notes here. Is the fact that I had no feeling for him. Because he was a man that had gone to a country that was recovering from a war that his nation had created and was profiteering from the devastation by earning lots of money being a truck driver Mm -hmm. and was so stupid to walk into that job thinking that it would be safe. So you know, for me, he was. I he don't was just know if he thought if it would be safe. No, but he. But you know, if you do a job like that. You should be fully aware of any consequences. Like, I would not join the army because I don't want to get shot at. Fine, fine. Right? I think that's uh, an opinion shared by many. Exactly. So I would not go and be a truck driver in Iraq because there is a chance I will get captured and tortured by insurgents or militants or terrorists or whatever. You know. So uh, for me, it was just like, well, I actually agree with the guy that's put you in the box. <laughs> So I was kind of like, well, you know, fair enough. The guy, you know, this guy had had his life before you lot turned up and destroyed it, and he's just trying to get something back out of that. That's kind of a fair, fair viewpoint, I think. Okay. So because of that, because I really didn't care, it lost all of the tension hmm. and became very dull. And the only thing that kept me interested was the cinematography. Okay. Um. And it wasn't just, like, he, he would do really stupid things. Like when he discovered what his phone number was on the, on the phone that gets left in the, in the box. Mm. There's a guy who's trying to find him. He doesn't ring him. Doesn't ring him to tell him what the number is. He waits. Like he rings, like, two other people, I think, before he thinks of ringing that guy. Mm. And it's kind of like, well, okay, I, I get that you'd want to speak to your family and you'd want to speak to your wife, etc. But surely you'd ring the person that has the best chance of getting you out of that situation so you could spend the rest of your life with them, not just talk to that person that you love for five minutes before you die. Now, I wondered if we come to this, and I think on the outside, it's very easy to second-guess and scream at the screen, no, you should be doing this, you should be that's doing that. That's true, yeah. yeah. That Let true. me lock you in a coffin <laughs> yeah, for two true. hours and see what you do. yeah. Yeah, it's just it was little things like that that really annoyed me, and it was I, like I say, I think that he, I thought he his performance was really good, but it was just his character I just really didn't like, mm. and I just didn't it didn't you know there were certain things that just didn't quite ring true. I think his kind of his job and all the rest of it is kind of a comment on the war, absolutely beyond, yeah, yeah. and but, that's why he has that job. And now you said last week this is quite Hitchcockian, yeah. and I think you're right. I think this is the sort of film that would have really appealed to Hitchcock yeah uh, particularly because of 
uh, I don't know if people know the film Phone Booth with Colin, Colin Farrell. Which, which is, is also sitting on my TV recording device yet to be watched. Okay, and then don't watch it because I may pitch it to you. Okay. Because that's basically Colin Farrell in a box, but vertical instead of horizontal. And he can for see For 90 out. minutes, and he can yeah. see out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But that script was developed for Hitchcock. Right. Um, that's been kicking around a while then. It has, yeah. Well, it was developed in the late 70s. Um mm. So I can kind of see where you're coming from with that, but I think what he would have done would have he there, there should have been a setup scene, and I know the part of the gimmick of this film is it's all inside the box. Yeah, but there has to be something that makes you think. I really identify. I really like this man. I really want him to survive, and that just doesn't happen mm. because you're drip fed information about him, which works in a way. I don't think it works enough. Of, to draw you onto his side. Okay. I think, and this might also apply to Children of Men, Right, you're getting too hung up on liking your leading man. Right. And I think that this is a kind of, a main, this is a mainstream Hollywood influence. Yeah. This is, you must... Yeah, I just think uh, you've got to have something to make you care about something. You've got to have an emotional investment somewhere. Well, sure, my emotional investment is thinking, Jesus, what would I do if I was trapped in a box? Yeah, but even after that, I, you know, I was just a bit, I, I don't know. I, 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 I don't know, I just needed something that would hook me into him as a, as a character. Because hmm. I think that's really important. You have, you have someone you, you identify to, you know, to help you put yourself in that position. Hmm. And there wasn't that moment. So, for example, you don't get much about his personal life. You get him ringing phone numbers and hearing voice messages. Hmm. But I think if he'd had the really emotional conversation with his wife at the beginning... Then I would have been hooked because I would have been th- I would have been thinking, wow, how would I feel if that was me? Because I can identify with that. How would I feel if I was a part of Barry, you know, and that kind of stuff? Whereas that didn't, you know, the, the only time I started to feel sorry for him was when he was having that really emotional conversation, and when she was saying, "You promised me you're going to be okay. You promised me," and he was like, "Yeah, yeah I'm going to be fine. They're coming for me," and etc. Mm-hmm. That was the only bit where I kind of thought, oh, I, you know, I feel on his side now. And if that had happened at the beginning then I probably would have been absolutely nail-bitingly tense for the whole movie. But Mm. as it wasn't, as it didn't happen, I wasn't. Mm. Which is a shame, I think. Yes, I do. I I won't lie, I'm quite disappointed that you didn't like this very much. Um, I'm sorry. And that it's effectively, it's just the lead character's job that's getting in the way. If he was just the manager of the local Iraq, uh, Baghdad branch of Tesco, would that have been... I don't know. Any I, th- I you think know. I think it's just I think I just needed something that would be you know what um, I don't know. I just think you need something to make him more engaging. Like mm. I, th- I just think it's like well, you kind of put yourself in that position. Hmm. So I don't know why I should feel any sympathy for you. I know that seems weird. I know it's just because you know I think you're supposed to feel it just because he's a man trapped in a box. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of what I think. Yeah, but then and I, I just do think it's your own stupidity. That one that this this might be where you dive across the table and strangle me. Why? <laughs> that this is your politics getting in the way of enjoying a yeah, film. Quite possibly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know because I'm quite happy to accept. Okay, this is a character, and this is what he does. Yeah, 
It's interesting because I can disassociate it, say, watching something like Dirty Harry. Yeah. Where it's, you know, the politics in that are much very different to my own. Yeah. But I can quite happily engage and watch with him because he's a very likable character and I, you, you get put on his side early on. Hmm. Whereas in this, it just it just doesn't happen. Okay, so if it was Clint Eastwood in a box, yeah, maybe. <laughs> what did you? Is there anything you did like other than the cinematography? Um, I thought the opening title sequence. I'd see that's something else I thought you would enjoy yeah. because you like your opening title sequences, yeah. and it's a, a Hitchcockian it is. style. It's, it's just it's um, that kind of Saul Bass type. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly it. If you what if you look at those title sequences for uh, North by Northwest, uh, Vertigo, Psycho. They've all got that kind of yeah. animation linear thing going on, and that it was really, really good. Um, Did you at any point feel dirty or claustrophobic? No, no, no. That that was the part of the problem. It just didn't it didn't pull me in enough. Mm. And I and you know I th- I think that was the part I didn't feel. I thought I'd feel really claustrophobic watching it, and I just didn't. I think perhaps. Did you see this on a big screen? No, the first time I saw this was on an aeroplane. Right, and then I watched it again a couple of days before I pitched it to right, you, okay. uh, just on my TV at home. Right, I think that might help. You think? Yeah, being in a like pitch black room, mm-hmm. which I wasn't. Um, Were you watching this with your wife? Yeah, that might also be possibly. Yeah, both mate. times I've watched it quite isolated. I've yeah, watched it on yeah. my own at home, and I've watched it with headphones on on a dark aeroplane. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, I think yeah, the conditions may ha- aid. Yeah, this movie. Yeah, but no, I mean it was just, and there were there were moments when like the the dialogue you were hearing just didn't ring true. Quite I've often. got to say, one of the things I don't like is the English guy on the other end of the phone. See, he didn't, I don't think he's a very good actor. No, but he he didn't bother me so much. It was some of the other people he was dealing with, mm-hmm. some of the uh, people like when he was ringing emergency services or or various. Uh, departments or whatever. Mm. Um, some of the people were obviously talking to an incredibly distressed person on the other end of the phone mm. in a very dismissive manner mm. and not in a way that you would handle someone in that state. You may think that, yes, but also from that point of view, how many screaming mentals ring Ohio's police department I guess, but you every t- day you, you, you've you got think to think that these people might be jaded to their job as well. That's true, I suppose. Yeah, it could be, you, it you could be a hoax. Be... Somebody rings you screaming and saying, "I'm trapped in a box in Iraq." Yeah, you're probably not going to give it a great amount of credence at I first suppose. viewing, are you? I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It just it was again. It annoyed me because it could have it could have been absolutely brilliant, and I think all it really needed for me was that hook into him as a character. So, sorry. I've let you down two weeks in a yeah. row. Well, customer feedback then. Yeah. Uh, this might this might uh, tie in with your review. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. Just one line I found. It just says, a man makes phone calls in a coffin for an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. I, I did see one that, that was uh, Ryan Reynolds trapped in a block seeing how long a Blackberry can last. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, I find it hard to see any point in this film. Problem with it is what all the five-star reviews say. Yes, Ryan Reynolds does a good job acting, but it's just like one scene in a normal film with all the rest of the film missing. Why not make a film about going to work or having the in-laws round for diner? <laughs> That's how that review's written. That's yeah. what I've got yeah. um, and uh, get the bleep button ready. This is a YouTube comment. All right, okay. This is bullshit. The ending is bullshit. Fucking bullshit. 
Whoever wrote this needs to go die. Seriously. <laughs> uh, we also have a, a listener review. Right. Uh, Joe Edlin on Facebook sent, yeah. us, uh, sent us a review. Have I really just r- watched Ryan Reynolds in a box for 90 minutes? The answer is yes, and I've enjoyed every moment of it. Brilliantly shot with plenty of unique angles, especially the scene where Reynolds first gets through to the State Department. The tension in your own frustration grows as the film progresses as you desperately want the man to get out alive. Ryan present... Ryan... Ryan... Who? I don't know what he's Shall I try about? that again? Yeah. Okay. Ryan Reynolds proves that he can actually act, even if at one point he forgets which way around to hold a phone. <laughs> yeah. Which is true. That's my favourite goof in this film, yeah, is yeah. his first conversation with the guy at the State Department. He's holding the Blackberry upside down. <laughs> I, th- I, I do think this is a kind of a calling card for him as an actor. I think he does, he does genuinely do a good job. And the director as well. Yeah, absolutely. Bringing yeah, as yeah. much as possible yeah. out of an, like, an eight foot by three yeah, foot yeah. space. Absolutely. And I, I just think it was that key thing missing it's from the script. It's that one detail yeah. that. Yeah, it really is. You. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think he just fell down from there, really. Okay, Dougie, my friend. Pitch yeah. me a better film than Buried, then. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to pitch you an incredibly different film from Buried. All right. Um, I'm going to pitch you a film that is a genre that you would... Start that again and do it into the microphone Sorry. instead of scratching your leg and looking at the studio. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna pitch you a film that is of a genre you would probably never watch. You certainly wouldn't go to the cinema to see. That you'd rent the DVD. Um, it's not hardcore pornography, then. No, I don't think it's... Uh, I don't... I don't know if you'll like it or not, but what this is, is um, a genre film that stands out head and shoulders above all of the other films in its genre because it's got such a good script. Okay. And I think I want you to see this as a, as a, as a, uh, a demonstration of how important a good script is. I was burping, but yes, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Carry on. So the film I'm going to pitch you is Mean Girls. Okay, I know you like this movie quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. So it's a teen flick with Lindsay Lohan in the lead, and this was before she went mental. Okay. Um, it's a really kind of standard teen high school movie. A new girl comes to the school. She has to try and fit in, and all the cliques, and and navigate through high school. That's that's the crux of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, so it starts off with Lindsay Lohan's character is called Katie. She's homeschooled lived in africa her parents are kind of a little bit hippie-ish mm-hmm. um the dad is the janitor from scrubs excellent yeah um she uh goes to goes to this new high school and it's very typical american high school um there are the really popular girls called the plastics and they are played by rachel mcadams uh, amanda Seyfried, and the name of the other girl I can never remember because she hasn't done anything else. Oh, she's the one that got away. Yeah, she's the brilliant. And interesting enough, she's not the worst of them in it. So I'm not quite sure why she didn't take huh. off. Um, Rachel McAdams plays the 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 popular girl. Mm-hmm. So she's the girl everyone aspires to, and she's completely horrid with it, as you would expect. A mean girl, in fact. In fact, yeah. Uh, Amanda Seyfried. Well, she then has her kind of second in command, which is the name of the girl, I can't remember. Okay. Um, Whose uh, who's claim to fame and why she's popular is because her dad invented toaster strudel. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's Amanda Seyfried, who plays the really stupid friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is really thick in this. Excellent. Um, and plays it beautifully. Um, and like I said, it's, it's a very typical kind of high school comedy movie. Uh, 
the basic part is she she gets very friendly with two people who are slightly outcast. Mm. There's a girl called Janice who she's a bit alternative. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a huge gay guy that they hang out with as well called Damien. And he has possibly one of the best lines in the film, mm-hmm. which takes place in the girl's bathroom. Okay. And that's all I'll say. Um, so she kind of gets drawn to them. But then the the plastics, as they're called, decide that actually she's actually quite attractive and probably should be in their group and mm-hmm. she could be quite popular. So they, they try and bring her in. And so it, it ends up with the kind of the, the, the geekier alternative people getting her to spy on the plastics and then report back. And, and it kind of all ensues from there. Okay. Um, so, like I said, it's very typical. It was based on a book... Uh, called Queen Bees and Wannabes, Helping Your Daughter Survive Cliques, Gossip, Boyfriends and Other Realities of Adolescence. I'm quite glad they changed the title because that wouldn't fit on a poster. No. And, and it's not actually a novel. Mm. It's actually a help, uh, help book for parents. <laughs> um, so the narrative was created by the screenwriter, mm-hmm. uh, who also plays the maths teacher mm-hmm. in the film. And that woman is Tina Fey. Excellent. And that's why this film stands out. Mm-hmm. Um, Tina Fey as the maths teacher and Amy Poehler as um, Rachel McAdams' mum mm-hmm. is brilliant. Now, I've just started watching Parks and Recreation right. and she's fantastic in that. Yeah. In this, she is amazing. She, she's vicariously reliving her youth through her daughter <laughs> in, in every way you can imagine. It is brilliant. <laughs> Um, <laughs> there's one scene which I only noticed watching this time round okay. where she's holding a little dog and the little dog starts chewing on something and it just really made me laugh right. so keep your eye out for that <laughs> and her reaction or non-reaction to it Okay. Um, so I'm just going to have a quick, quick flick through and see if anything else oh Tim Meadows is in it and he he, Tim Meadows was a uh, a writer on Saturday Night Live, mm-hmm. um, and he, I think he does a lot of stuff with Tina Fey, mm. and he plays the principal, and he is a very kind of downtrodden, trying to keep everything under control. Mm. Uh, he's got his hand in a plaster cast, which they keep putting down to Carpal Tunnel, mm. uh, but it was actually because he broke his hand before filming. Um, and he has some fantastic lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, the moment he breaks out the baseball bat, is brilliant um so yeah i think this might be a film to just not watch with notes and stuff like that okay go to your girlfriend's house and just put it on a bit like i love you man now and just watch it you say that yeah but i think she's seen this and i think she hates it oh really yes interesting because i'm surprised at that i thought she would quite like it Mm, we shall see i don't remember i'm pretty sure she has rolled her eyes at its mention of it being one of your favorite films oh really yes yeah interesting because i think next time we're all in the same room yeah no i think i think it works really well i think the, the script is particularly good um, mm-hmm. You know, I think it's pretty standard in many other ways. Uh, you know, there's no, there's no acting that stands out mm-hmm. particularly amazingly. I mean, there's a few brilliant, you know, nice little bits, um, and that you know the direction, the cinematography is all pretty standard, standard yeah. for what you'd expect it to be for a high school TV show or film. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's just just the script really, and and the the dialogue in particular. 
So hopefully you'll like it. Okay, good. Excellent. Well, I have a film for you that couldn't be much more different to Mean Girls. Okay. Um, it was a film that all three leads hated doing. Right. Um, it was shot without a completed script. Right. Uh, and pe- had people pretty much tearing their hair out all the way through. Right. Uh, and became a cast iron classic of cinema. Okay. Casablanca. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, I've never seen it. I know. Exactly. And this week, you can't escape it because I have a DVD for you in my bag. Right. It's available on Love Film and uh, it gets its 70th anniversary re-release this weekend. Yes, it does indeed. So, you will get to see it. And I urge everybody else listening to this, everybody within earshot of my voice, find a way to watch Casablanca this week. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I actually own it on DVD as well. Oh, marvellous. So I don't have to actually have no. to give you a DVD. No, I just, I've never got around to watching it. I think my wife's seen it, but I haven't. So, yeah, no. Okay. Tell me more. Well, uh, I should do a little plot outline, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, for anybody who doesn't know the plot of Casablanca. Um, Humphrey Bogart plays a man called Rick, uh, who owns uh, Rick's Cafe American in, uh, in Casablanca. Uh, and Casablanca, and in particular Rick's within within the city is a haven for um people passing through on their way to america europeans trying to get through mm-hmm. on their way to the u.s rick himself is completely neutral right nazis come into the bar uh the french resistance come into the bar right everybody co- everybody comes to rick's right uh, which is actually the name of the unproduced play that it's based on i see okay. um is, is it kind of like an amnesty place so if people are there, like, so if the French Resistance are there and the Nazis are there, they'll they'll just let each other get on with it and walk out, or yeah, kind of unofficially, right. yes, right. yes, it is. There are a lot of shady things that go on at Rick's, but Rick himself never touches them. Right. Um, he doesn't. Yeah, he merely provides the location. Turns a blind eye. Turns a blind eye. If he if he what well, he doesn't know won't hurt him. Yeah. Um. One day into this bar mm-hmm. uh, comes a man called Victor Laszlo who is highly ranked in, uh, within the French resistance right? Uh, much sought after by the Nazis mm-hmm. uh, and in actual fact uh, a Nazi general arrives to, uh, to find a way to have him arrested and uh, removed from the country and with, uh, with Mr. Laszlo comes his wife Ilsa right. who is played by Ingrid Bergman mm-hmm. and a year or two previously uh, had a romance with Rick in Paris Right, and this is their this is their re meeting. Rick, for some unspecified reason, cannot return to America. Okay, um, uh, and then two letters of transit, which are actually completely fabricated for this film. No such things ever existed. Right, okay. Uh, they're like free passes. All right. If you have one of these, you can just travel. L- you can just leave. You travel. Yep, you can travel out the country. Um, the past sins will be absolved effectively. Right, gotcha. Um, uh, two of these fall into fall into Rick's hands, mm-hmm. uh, and he he must decide how he's going to use them. Right. Okay. Um, so you get romance, drama, political intrigue. There's a good line in comedy running through it. Okay. Uh, physical. The script, uh, despite being written by about half a dozen different people. Yeah and not being finished when the film starts. The right. movie was shot in sequence okay. because they didn't have an ending. So they just started at the beginning of the script. <laughs> and hope they'd have one by the end. And hope they, they the, the, the writers just had to kind of keep ahead of the shooting. Yeah. Um, amazingly, it all comes together 
really well. Okay. Um, all of these elements somehow dovetail, yeah. and it makes one complete coherent film. Right. Despite all, and you can't tell that it's more than one voice telling the story. Okay. Um, it won three Oscars: mm-hmm. Best Picture, Best Director, Best Screenplay. Yeah. Um, it's one of the most quotable films of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the number of classic quotable and misquotable lines yes. in it yeah. uh, 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 numbers in multiple figures everything was shot in a studio apart from one scene Okay, which when you finally see the film it's not yeah. massive in scope yeah. but when you finally see the film yeah. uh, some of that is quite impressive Okay, um, it was made for what today would still be a low budget Right, it was made for uh, about $960,000 in 1942 money, right, which is wow. about $13 million today. Okay, well, that and is cheap. on its first release, mm. took $3.7 million. Wow. Which today would be nearly $50 million. Yeah, yeah. And that was just in its first release in 1943. Yeah, so it tripled its money. It yes. tripled its budget. Yeah, exactly. Wow. What else can I tell you? The supporting cast. So your, your, your hero is... Um, it's Humphrey Bogart, yeah, uh, and his love interest is Ingrid Bergman, yeah. Um, beyond that, uh, Claude Rains is great fun as the French police captain. Right, he gets to have he. I think he kind of quite enjoys himself. He right. appears to be enjoying himself. He right. gets some of the he gets some of the best comedy, and he's a little bit sleazy's not the word. Well, I guess he is a bit sleazy. He is uh, he is as he says himself. He, he doesn't make much money because he is just a poor corrupt official. Right, okay. Um, uh, and the other fun cameo, he has a very small but very important role, is Peter Lorre. Right. I will leave you then with um, one of the marketing lines for the film on okay. its original release, which I think must have come from the trailer. Okay. As big and timely a picture as you've ever seen. You can tell by the cast it's important, gripping, big. <laughs> <laughs> and if that doesn't make you want to watch the movie, I don't know what will. No. <laughs> So I guess uh, that, that's that's it for this week, isn't it? Pretty much. We should do the plugs. Before yeah. I do that, I have a quick note. Um, I Love You Man, much yeah. loved in this parish, yeah. uh, is showing on BBC Three on Saturday, February the 11th. So as we record this, this coming Saturday uh, right. at 10 past 10 in the evening, right. uh, it comes highly recommended from both of us. Absolutely. So if you haven't seen it, watch it and then email, know. tweet or Facebook comment us a review. And uh, if you're particularly amusing or witty, we will read it out. Absolutely, and uh, if you want to get onto Twitter and follow at HYS Podcast, you can get us uh, your reviews that way, or facebook.com forward slash have you seen podcast. Um, we've got our own page there, and we've been putting bits and pieces up like that on there, links to the blog and the link dump and mm-hmm. everything. Uh, or you can go straight to the blog itself, uh, bit.ly forward slash HYS Podcast. <laughs> You're doing this really well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, or you can email us at hyspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we should also say our customary thanks to Upbeat Productions for the use of the studio, Chapter Media for all their assistance, and our technical wizard, Alexia Mum, who has been doing wondrous things. Absolutely, as always. So uh, I guess it's time to say goodbye. Uh, yes. I was trying to think of a quote for Classic Banker to end on that would be appropriate, but they've all gone out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm guess- just going to stop recording. Okay. I hate this show. <laughs> <laughs>